The Edginators Podcast, Episode 2, The Parable of the Untrained Sub. Welcome everybody to the Edginators Podcast, the show where we help awesome educators from all over the world overcome obstacles and focus on learning in their classrooms. I am your host, Mark Clements, and in today's episode, we'll be taking a look at an example that I've been using for a while to kind of help teachers realize just sort of what awesome power they have lying in the educational research and in their own educational training, and we call it the parable of the untrained sub. Suppose for a second that you could not be in your classroom for an extended period of time. The district has made every effort to secure you a qualified long-term substitute, one with content knowledge and a background in education. However, they were unable to do so. Due to a shortage of qualified substitutes, the district was forced to hire someone who is seemingly not qualified to do your job. However, they have a good heart and they've expressed interest in teaching before. They've passed a background check and are deemed trustworthy enough for the position. Despite no formal education, your district decides this person will be your long-term substitute. Most of us know these types of people in our lives. Great people, supportive of public education, good with kids. Perhaps they could have made a good teacher, but as it is, they lack any education beyond high school or certainly no formal education training, and they lack the academic qualifications for the position. There are family members and friends, the people who, could, who say, I could never do what you do, but we love them nonetheless. If we were to place such a person in control of your classroom, what sorts of rules would they establish? What types of lessons or activities would they plan? Or would they lesson plan at all? What would the classroom look like after a day? A week? A year? Would it be different if this person didn't have a high school diploma? What if they only had a high school diploma? What if they only had a bachelor's degree with no education training? Who would be successful in this type of classroom? Who would not? In the event that we place this person in your classroom, this person would very likely default to behavior similar to that of their most influential teacher, whether that be from elementary school or middle school, high school or college. Whatever their education level, their behaviors would parallel that. Furthermore, they would very likely cling to the textbook, afraid to deviate outside of it. They would lesson plan minimally, with no real concept of where the instruction was going beyond the next week at best, if not only the next day. They would require students to be predominantly quiet, and likely never establish set procedures or behavioral expectations. Certainly, they wouldn't bother to explain why these procedures are important, instead falling back on because I said so when they were pressed by students. They would punish students who did not adhere to whatever expectations they did set. They would never change the course of instruction based on what students do or do not understand. Instead, they would elect to move on when the unit of instruction had been taught, regardless of the student's level of understanding. This would likely be the result of their never having established clear learning targets in the first place, unaware of what's appropriate for this age level or content area, or what had been deemed important or essential by the district. They would not allow redos on assignments that students had failed, instead believing that students should have gotten it the first time, or perhaps telling students that they'll have a chance to do better on the next assessment. Late work would not be allowed, or it would only be allowed with a harsh grading penalty. The untrained sub believing that there were teaching responsibility and that the student, quote, has to do their part. They would assign book work and worksheets because they're easy to find and reproduce, although the learning from them is, at best, short-term memorization that will quickly be forgotten. 
When attempts at direct instruction fail, they would assign massively long projects that take up lots of time and require a lot of effort. These assignments would be worth a lot of points to ensure that students spend a lot of time and effort on them. However, no rubric or scoring guide would be given as the teacher isn't sure what the final product needs to look like. Instead, they would just say to tell the kids to be creative. And what they really mean by that is independent and stay busy. If there is a rubric or a scoring guide provided, it would likely only include cosmetic details and not relate directly to a learning objective, certainly not one a student could easily identify with or relate to. They would grade without giving constructive feedback, instead simply assigning a letter or a number or handing work back to students, likely in an untimely manner. They would attempt to use their gradebook to control the escalating student behavior, giving completion grades to make students do it and taking off huge amounts of points and penalties for late work or incomplete work, again, to teach responsibility and because these assignments are much harder to grade when they come in late. When they realize there's an inordinate number of students failing the class, they would offer bonus points as a way of making up grades, rather than simply allowing students to redo the work that was not satisfactory. These bonus points mask the fact that students aren't learning, but make the grades look more acceptable to an outsider looking in. Furthermore, extra credit can reward positive behaviors, as they would say, never mind that their grades now reflect effort or behavior and not content knowledge. Extra credit gives students something else to work on, and that helps crowd control. Finally, this person would likely avoid making parent contacts for fear of having to tell the parent what is so obvious to them that the parent clearly failed and this kid is hopeless. They would similarly avoid administrators who they would view as a boss or an enemy of some kind, constantly questioning their techniques. Surely this isn't to help them improve, but rather to provide evidence when they need to fire an untrained substitute, or so they would believe. Instead, they would opt to spend their free time in the teacher's workroom or in the parking lot after school, complaining to colleagues about how kids today are different and how it was never like this when I was in school. Every one of the described behaviors would be the result of somebody with no educational training. If just anybody off the street could handle being a professional educator, then why do states require the time and money spent on college education? What is the purpose of it then of an education class? Why is professional development required? Friends and colleagues, we do not want to teach like this person. This is not a job for amateurs. We are paid to educate children, not determine which ones are already educated. Don't think of yourself as a judge, think of yourself as a lawyer. The students are your client and we must advocate for them and their learning. School districts don't pay you just to educate the smart kids. The smart kids probably don't need us anyway. They'll be successful in life no matter what. They need tools and resources, but not an educator. The, one who's, the ones who need us the most are the ones we often avoid working with, yet we are paid to ensure all students are educated. Use the tools provided to you by your years in college and your time spent in professional development. Formative assessment, differentiated instruction, brain-based learning, project-based learning, cooperative learning. These are the weapons of choice for the true educator. Response to intervention programs, positive behavior support programs, professional learning communities. These are structures put in place to ensure that we work together to guarantee the success of all students. Do not waste this opportunity to do what's best for kids. Do not waste the education that you've spent your life collecting by teaching like an untrained substitute. Engage your students and your career. Accept responsibility for student learning and guarantee the success of all of your students by becoming the Edgenator. That will do it for today's episode. Thank you very much for listening. A special thanks to bensound.com 
for the intro music that you hear at the beginning and the end of each one of our shows. To get your voice heard on an upcoming episode of the Edgenators podcast, give us a call at 636-492-1346 and leave us a voicemail and let us know what obstacles you or your students are facing and hopefully we can get better together. We'd also love to help you celebrate, so if you or your students or one of your colleagues has recently accomplished something awesome at your school, you want to give them a shout-out or you want to celebrate something that you've done yourself, we'd love to hear it, so definitely give us a call and tell us all about that as well. To eliminate more obstacles of learning and ensure that in your classroom not learning is not an option, check us out at edunators.com where you can read, watch, and listen to more edunating stuff or sign up for our Edunators newsletter. Give us a like at facebook.com slash edunators. Follow me on Twitter at Edgenators and at MarkClimentsEDU or by using hashtag Edgenators. You can also shoot us an email, MarkClimentz at Edgenators.com to talk about the show or the production or any of these topics that we've discussed or see how we can visit your school and make Edgenators out of your faculty. That'll do it for today's episode. Focus on learning and be great today. <laughs>